Now, more tips with your host, Rebecca Rogers. Remember that in our program, we present our opinion and the opinion of our guest, and is not to be interpreted as medical advice. Thank you so much for joining us today here on Lifestyle Improvement for part three of our interview with Nancy Kreisman. Ms. Kreisman is a licensed clinical social worker and private practice practitioner who has worked with the geriatric population and their families for over 35 years. She has presented workshops on caregiving all across the United States and has taught courses in Kennesaw State University. She has also written three books, Mindful Connections, The Caring Spirit Approach to Elder Care, and The Mindful Caregiver, Finding Ease in the Caregiving Journey. And now, here is our guest, Nancy Kreisman, and our host, Rebecca Rogers. You know, I remember the sweetest, another sweet thing, I have all these wonderful sweet things that have happened to me. This is such a blessing, this work. Um, one of my clients that I was working with in a nursing home couldn't feed herself, and she, she, came, um, she lived in Boston, loved lobster, just loved it. So I would say to her every time I was feeding her a spoonful of something, just think about this as lobster, you know, and we talk about how she would eat lobster and cook it and all this stuff. When she died, her family gave me a stuffed lobster, little stuffed animal that I still have to this day. But, you know, it's about connecting to people. People, just because people have dementia does not mean that their spirit and their heart can't still remain connected. And I think probably... When our loved ones develop dementia, it brings us to a place where we can appreciate and acknowledge the priceless meaning of that relationship and connection. Here's the important part about my Meaningful Connections book, is that people get stuck in the loss and the losing. And they, they, they need to be reminded and encouraged that there are many other opportunities to, to reconnect and to like a great example. My mother was a wonderful dancer and she was not afraid to get out there and just do whatever, you know? And I, I was more of the serious kid, you know, I was the first child, the daughter. And, but when my mom developed dementia and she got to a point where she couldn't remember so well and all that, she still loved dancing. And so one day I just, I brought some music and I just started dancing with her, you know, because I used to be so self-conscious of how I looked when I was dancing or whatever. It doesn't matter. The point is we had a blast. Her dementia opened so many doors for me about myself, you know, that I never would have done before. I mean, you know, we would just say these silly limericks together and then just crack up, you know, and it gave me permission. You know, that's another thing that I have in my Mindful Caregiver book, and I also have in Meaningful Connections, the importance of laughter and humor and being intentional about bringing laughter and humor into your life. When people have dementia, oftentimes as their dementia gets worse and all, their frontal lobe doesn't work so well. And so their impulse control and, you know, the way they sort of see the world, you know, is just whatever. So take advantage of it. Enjoy it. Be silly. So that's the power of, of your book. That you're emphasizing that, yes, when a loved one has dementia, you, you go through that grieving process of losing that person. But what you're saying is there is such great value to connecting to them 
minute by minute and who they are right now. Correct? Absolutely. And but you have to be you have to be willing as a caregiver or anybody that's visiting with somebody that has dementia spending time to surrender parts of yourself because you know we always want to be a certain way. You know, I'll tell you, this is the, the best thing that happened just recently. I went to see a gentleman in a nursing home. While I was with him, there was another gentleman sitting next to him who I used to go and visit and I'd always hug him and, you know, say hello and, you know, we'd sing together. And he was really very, um, I mean, he was needing to be fed now. He, you know, he was in a wheelchair and all this. He saw me, his eyes turned to me. And I looked back to him and I said, you know my spirit, don't you? And he had the biggest smile. He did. And I'm telling you, just because people lose their short-term memory, even some of their long-term, you know, when people would say to me, well, your mother doesn't know you anymore. So why do you visit with her? Because she knows my spirit. She knows my heart. She knows, you know, she knows it's a loving person visiting with her. Besides the fact of what you just explained, being present, being in the moment, trying to find those valuable moments in which you can make special memories. What else do you think the caregivers need to have as part of their own ability to cope? Well, I mean, you have to be able to recognize that you are doing you know, what we call anticipatory grieving, you know, and so you have to give yourself the space and time. You have to make the time to feel sad and to, and to allow yourself to, you know, there are times I can remember sitting in my garden and just thinking about the sadness of, of Alzheimer's and, and how, you know, there are some things about it that are cruel and sad and and upsetting, you know, um, but I also decided to myself that I don't want to dwell there. You know, I, I as a caregiver or, or as a person, you know, trying to connect with somebody who has dementia, I have, I can choose how I'm going to see this person in this, in this disease or this condition, you know, and um, I, I, I'll tell, I'll share a story. And this is a really great example, I think, of not giving up on people. Um, there's so many different ways to think about this. But so, so I was visiting with an elder and who he, when he, I knew him for three or four years and he was a well-known physician in Atlanta and highly respected and regarded and loved and cared about. And he, when I would visit with him, when he was still able to communicate fairly well, he would talk to me about what it was like to be a doctor in the olden days. And he would say how, you know, you didn't come in with a computer you know, when you're meeting with your patient and typing in all this sort of stuff, you, you touch them, you use your hands, you know, the doctors use their hands. So as he, you know, was in the latter stages of his dementia, I went to visit him once and, and I was being paid to visit him, you know, and I get there and he's sleeping. And I'm thinking to myself, is this an ethical thing for me to stay there with him for a half an hour and get paid for this? You know, he's not even awake. And do I wake him up? No, I'm not going to wake him up. And then I thought, why, you know, let me try, let me try just taking it what I call a healing presence. This is how you can be with people sort of at end of life. And I took his, so he's sitting, you know, he's laying in his, in his chair. Um, it's like a recliner chair. And I hold his hands, his eyes don't open. And I start gently talking to him and sort of touching his hands very slightly. And I'll say, Dr. H, you know, I remember the stories you told me about your hands. And how many hands, how many people you touched with your hands? And 
how you really healed people with your hands. And I just said that kind of over and over, and then I would be quiet. And I spent a half an hour with him. He did not wake up the entire time. And when I left, I can't tell you the power in that experience. And I believe he heard everything I said to him. They say that at the very end, you know, your hearing is one of the last things to go, that people can still hear, even when it appears that people are sort of in a coma or whatever. I shared that with his daughters and tears just rolled down their eyes because they never thought about just doing that, you know, or just being with him that way and or getting in bed with my mother. I mean, here I was 50 years old in a single bed, right? And she couldn't get out of bed and I would just climb in there with her. And I'm not saying everybody can do this because not everybody can, but there are all kinds of different ways that you can connect to people. But you have to, the, the, the biggest piece of my book and Meaningful Connections, I have like 10 pages in there on helping caregivers plan how to spend time with somebody that has dementia. You have to plan it. You have to have, you know, um, the music and, you know, the cooking, if you're going to do some cooking, even, you know, even when people can't do the cooking with you, like if you bring a, a crock pot or an electric skillet or a blender, which I used to do with my mom all the time, they can smell it, they can taste it, they can enjoy it. You can talk about the recipes. I mean, you know, and so what I tried to do in the book was to give, again, knowing caregivers don't have a lot of time and they often don't think about this. I gave them all these different ideas that they can actually try to use, you know? And it's also a great book for kids, for, you know, children that are 12 and up, intergenerational, because oftentimes teenagers, even young adults, they don't know how to be with somebody. Like the activity boxes I have in there called grab and go boxes. You know, they're, they're so much fun and the kids can help put them together and make them really personalized. You know, like a baseball box, say you love baseball. So if you were a Mets fan, you'd have the Mets cap and you'd have a little plastic bat and you'd have a real ball and you'd have a real leather glove and, you know, all the paraphernalia that goes with the Cracker Jacks and maybe you bring in a hot dog with onions and, you know, and it doesn't take that much time. It can be fun. It sounds like a lot of fun. Those are great. This is your host, Rebecca. And now we will take a short break, and we will be right back with more ideas on lifestyle improvement. What if there was a way to help your struggling child perform better academically? Would you pick up the phone and call? Lifestyle Improvement Occupational Therapy Services in Puyallup, Washington, supports wellness and optimal educational performance. Instead of just reteaching information, we endeavor to identify the possible root causes for your child's learning difficulties. We offer targeted testing to assist in the creation of an individualized plan and provide you with the brain training tools that can help improve academic performance. Visit our website at www.lifestyleimprovement.com or give us a call today at 877-957-7387, extension 101. That again is 877-957-7387, extension 101, for an initial free phone consultation. Lifestyle Improvement Occupational Therapy. We're ready to partner with parents and to help your child succeed.
like the activity boxes I have in there called grab and go boxes. You know, they're, they're so much fun and the kids can help put them together and make them really personalized. You know, like a baseball box, say you love baseball. So if you were a Mets fan, you'd have the Mets cap and you'd have a little plastic bat and you'd have a real ball and you'd have a real leather glove and, you know, all the paraphernalia that goes with the Cracker Jacks and maybe you bring in a hot dog with onions and, you know, and it doesn't take that much time. It can be fun. It sounds like a lot of fun. Those are great. What I've learned in my own experience visiting with my mom or when families have somebody living in their own house, even um, caregivers that are um, professional caregivers, one-on-one with somebody, if you don't have some planned activities, some ways that you can engage, all you do is sit and stare at each other. And the person might just keep on asking you the same question over and over and you leave feeling awful. I think that was one of my concerns. People would say to me, I dread going to visit my family member or I, you know, I dread going to see my neighbor um, because they, they weren't being intentional about planning their visit. And when you have dementia and it's at a point where you're not remembering, you know, your short-term memory is really not there, you can actually bring the same baseball box and just add some different things to it potentially. You know, you don't have to be super creative, but there's so many, the boxes are wonderful because, you, you know, when they're still in what I call the mostly able, they can pull all the things out of the box. You know, I, I, I had a bird box for a lady and she loved it. And I had little stuffed birds and I had um, a bird book that you press the button and you hear all the bird sounds and then it's got the pictures of the birds. And, and um, you, you know, now with the iPads and stuff, you can connect in and look at YouTubes. You know, there's just so many different things that you can do. And, and then you, you recognize, oh my gosh, this wasn't so bad. Time went kind of fast. Like a spa day. I used to do that when mom, you know, was in a wheelchair. I'd, ta- I'd ask the, the um, beautician if I could go in there, the hairstylist, and just do my mom's hair for her, you know, and wash her hair and put nice smelling soaps. You know, the thing is this, it's hard. Here's the thing that we have not talked about in both the Mindful Caregiver and this book. What if you didn't have a good relationship with the person you're caring for? And that's an important thing to talk about. I mean, I have a section in the Mindful Caregiver, and I probably could have done a whole chapter on, you know, not all parents or not all people that you're having to care for were were nice people or were nice to you, could have been abusive. And so it's real important as a caregiver to recognize what you can and can't do. And so sometimes if I'm working with a caregiver that's head of parent, I might say to them, I don't know that you should be interacting that much. You might need to have, uh, you might need to set up other people to visit. And, and you might be the person that says, this is what she enjoys or whatever, but you don't actually do it. I had a decent relationship with my mom, a very good one. And it comes naturally for us, but it's not always that way with everybody. I mean, I, I think about this one lady that I used to visit um, and I was trying to help her son visit with, have, cause she couldn't, she was a school teacher and she was, she had the best laugh. And I remember I sang Christmas songs to her and, and I tried to sing them in different accents of different languages. <laughs> and she thought it was the funniest thing ever. And it was silly, right? But he could not be silly. And I think, Again, it kind of goes back to looking at ourselves. 
um, and, and, and saying to ourselves, you know, because there are opportunities for growth in ourselves if, if we're willing to, to, to go there. One thing that you mentioned at the beginning, Nancy, was the breathing. And I would like it if you would give the listeners just some tools. I would like you to leave the listeners with something tangible that they can start or do today before they get your book, of course. So do you want to give us some techniques or some exercises, some breathing tips that you can give caregivers today to take with them? Typically what I try to do, you know, you can, you can do breathing exercises anywhere. However, I think it's best if you can find a space where you can be quiet, you know, where, where it is quiet, you know, and ideally I, I tell when I do breathing exercises with my, um, in my caregiver workshops, I'll say to the caregivers, you know, I just want you to get comfortable and if you feel comfortable enough, it's sometimes helpful to close your eyes. I also suggest sometimes that people, and again, I, I never force anybody to do anything, but I have found for myself and, and people have given me the feedback that sometimes just putting your hand on your heart and, and, and listening to the heartbeat helps you to tune in to slow down before you actually start beginning to listen to your breathing. So the whole idea is that you want to Get yourself into a more of a calm place. And you want to, you know, mindfulness, the beauty of mindfulness is it reminds you that you have a heart and that you have breath. And, um, and breathing is, you know, we, it's essential. If we don't breathe, we die. But what we don't realize is how soothing and relaxing and literally changes the physicality of yourself when you breathe. Again, I, I say to people, you know, there's lots of different ways that you can breathe. I typically say, you know, for me, I take a breath in through my nose, you know, and I, and I try to take as long as I possibly can. And then I like to breathe out through my mouth and sometimes to a point where I'll say, just like that. What the literature kind of says when I did the research is that it's really important to take three breaths, you know, really deep breaths. And, um, Again, putting and sometimes I'll even put my hand on my on my tummy and another hand on my heart, and that sort of positions me in a in a more calming way because the belly is also a place of, of comfort and support. But I like to think about breathe. You know, what do I need to to bring in through my breath to soothe and comfort me? Breathe in joy. It's okay. You know, breathe it in, and I might exhale sadness. Breathe in ease and exhale discomfort. When I've talked to caregivers that do the breathing exercise for themselves, they say it helps enormously. I think breathing, just the slowing down of your breathing, because when yes. you are, of course, under duress, you either stop breathing or you breathe really quick if you have anxiety or are anxious. So just the slowing down, it's powerful. So all those ideas are really great ideas, Nancy, that caregivers can start using today. You know, I'll say to caregivers, when you get in the car, you know, you can breathe while you're in the car, you know, the, take these deep breaths. Before you go and spend time with somebody, you can take the deep breaths in, you know. And it's not time consuming. When I counsel people now, I rarely ask them, are they depressed? I ask them, are they depleted? And then we look at how do we fill their spirits. Very powerful. Is either you come to a place where as a caregiver, you either do what you need to do 
to take care of yourself in order to survive, or you don't. To, to some degree, that is what it summarizes to. To be a long-term care caregiver, you have to make some decisions to take care of yourself in order to survive. In your book, you mentioned that moment when you decided that you were going to do some things that you just were not going to compromise on, that you were going to definitely incorporate into your life because you knew this was going to take a while. And I think that coming to that moment of that decision like you did is important and significant for any caregiver to have a long-term career as a caregiver. Because again, mindfulness, is it, it is just simply defined as being attentive and aware. And so I think as a caregiver, that's, you know, one of the most important things you can do of your own needs so that you can do a better job uh, to care for somebody else. Nancy, you've been so gracious with your time. Thank you so much. You've given us so many gems. I just want you to give me the biggest gem. If you just have to put it in one word, what is the biggest tip that you give to your caregivers during your caregiver workshops? The one thing that you say, if you do nothing else, do this. What would that be? Compassion. When you have compassion for yourself, then you recognize that you matter and you will commit to taking care of yourself. Absolutely. And when you are able to do that, then you are able to care for others better because you are filled. And for those of us who pray and who seek God for fulfillment, then you can fill your cup and so that you can share. And I think that's very important. This has been such a fun, wonderful, warm conversation. No, and I so enjoyed talking to you. Thank you. You are just unbelievable. You really get this stuff. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, it's only because. Us caregivers do have a sisterhood, brotherhood thing going on in which yes. we, we all kind of understand we do. It doesn't matter where we come from either. Different countries, different backgrounds, yes. different beliefs. Absolutely. We have this commonality, which is to love somebody and to be in that place where we have to find that balance in which we are able to still love and care for someone. And what does that take? And that learning process is, is a huge thing that we all have in common. So it's a beautiful thing. And um, I am very thankful for the roads that brought me to this place, though they have been full of experiences and, <laughs> and full of learning. But, you know, I, I, tell, I tell this story that my parents taught me many, many things when I was a child that told me to be determined, courageous, all those things that you hear from wonderful yeah. parents. Then when they got older, they said, they decided to, and I think I just kind of curiously think that to my mind, now you're going to practice with us, okay? And so I got to, and I get to practice yes. determination, courage, yes. uh, you know, all of those things. Now I get to practice those things as a caregiver. So it's a huge blessing, like you say, a huge learning. So I, I get to meet people like you, and that that's a blessing to me. So thank you so much. So let's... Again, mention your books, please, Nancy. Mention the name of your books and mention where they can be purchased. And if anybody, I know you have a website as well. If anybody wants to get a hold of you, are they able to email you, call you, give us all that information? Sure. So um, the first book, The Mindful Caregiver, Finding Ease in the Caregiving Life. And it is available certainly on Amazon. But it's also available, uh, uh, available 
at um, bookstores. It can be ordered anywhere. Um, Barnes and Noble carries it, I know. Um, same thing with Meaningful Connections. And Meaningful Connections is um, positive ways to be together when a loved one has dementia. And both these books um, are also on my website. Um, I've tried, they're, they're available in libraries, by the way. Um, and then in terms of, um, you're always welcome to email me, and that's Nancy Kreisman, K-R-I-S as in Sam, E-M-A-N, at Comcast.net. The website is www.nancykreisman.com. Thanks so much. Thank you, Nancy. Remember that in our program, we present our opinion and the opinion of our guest and is not to be interpreted as medical advice. As a caregiver, you spend your days caring for the needs of someone else. But what are you doing to help yourself? In our Caregiver Survival 101 workshop, we teach you the self-help skills that will empower you to be healthier and more productive. Do you feel tired, overwhelmed, have difficulty sleeping? Do you feel isolated? All this could be signs of caregiver stress. Chronic stress can impact your health adversely and ultimately cause irreversible and unwanted physical problems. Take a step towards your own personal care. A healthy caregiver is a better caregiver. You owe it to yourself and your loved ones to do what is needed to stay healthy today. Go to www.caregiversurvival101.com. That again is www.caregiversurvival101.com. And discover how we can help you help yourself. Or call 877-957-7387, extension 101. That again is 877-957-7387, extension 101. Caregiver Survival 101. Because care starts with you. Thank you so much for joining us today here on Lifestyle Improvement for part three of our interview with Nancy Kreisman. Ms. Kreisman is a licensed clinical social worker and private practice practitioner who has worked with the geriatric population and their families for over 35 years. She has presented workshops on caregiving all across the United States and has taught courses in Kennesaw State University. She has also written three books, Mindful Connections, The Caring Spirit Approach to Elder Care, and The Mindful Caregiver, Finding Ease in the Caregiving Journey. And don't forget to join your host, Rebecca Rogers, again next Sunday morning at 7.30 for more tips on lifestyle improvement.